This is the Loud Pedal Podcast, talking all things supercars with your host, Chris Starks. Well, I think it's fair to say there's been a bit going on in the world of supercars in the last couple of weeks. This is the Loud Pedal Podcast brought to you by Super Cheap Auto. Our guests this week, Mark Winterbottom, the 2015 champion and 2013 Bathurst winner. Frosty, how are you? I'm very well. How are you guys? Very, very well. And Greg Murphy, a four-time Bathurst winner. More importantly, our first two-time guest on the Loud Pedal Podcast this year. He must be doing something right. Greg Murphy, how are you, mate? Either that or you just um, ran out of people to talk to, I suppose. <laughs> too early in the season for that, mate. Far okay, too early good, in the good, season. Good. <laughs> Back-to-back rounds. Frosty, how are you preparing differently? Uh, it's actually quite good from a driver's point of view. We want to race every weekend. From a team point of view, they've probably got a bit of a different opinion because yeah. the cars went on the boat back from Tassie and rocked up to the workshop Tuesday. So for them, very tight turnaround. But... Uh, Thankfully, there's no damage on the car. That's the, the first thing you need to escape Tassie with, with no damage. But, um, but yeah, we, we obviously had a good round, so we're in a good headspace. When you have good rounds, you want to go back to back. When you have bad rounds, you want it to be months away to fix the car. So we're in a pretty good headspace. But, um, yeah, it, you know, it happens pretty quick, a couple of days, and you're back into it. Yeah, Murph, for you, uh, Dutto, I know, said that he's been Captain Sensible Pants. No stopover in Melbourne for the nightlife for the guys at Red Bull. Have you been behaving yourself? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, well, I, I have sensible. to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's probably a good move on his part. Yeah, I have been because I, uh, I, think I, I think I may have got through close to Scott McLaughlin and um, oh. I think he's handed over his, uh, his dreaded loogie that he had over the weekend. So, uh, yes, I had uh, intentions of doing all sorts of things in Melbourne this week uh, rather than flying back to back to New Zealand. But um, uh, I've been uh, very, very quiet, I must say. Very quiet. Lots of lemon honey drinks, actually, yesterday. Trying to oh, good. get myself back back on uh, form for the weekend. What is it? But, uh, um, Manuka, Manuka honey? Manu- is that the oh, one? Manuka. Jeez, man, get your pronunciations right. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it both ways. Tried it both yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, it's, uh, pretty low key, but um, I'm... I'm I, I like this uh, quick turnaround thing too. I think it's um, you know, yeah. as I say, the pressure pressure does come on um, on the teams and everybody. But um, you know, just uh, reiterating what um, uh, Frosty just said. You know, yeah. fortunately we came away. Um, I mean, remember how many years we've had damage at uh, at Tassie, and it's just one of those places. Uh, fortunately, the weather played its part on the weekend, didn't it, really well? And and um, everyone's driving incredibly sensibly at the moment. Um, so I don't know if anyone had to. Oh, there was a couple of little bit damaged, a couple of the Nissans in that uh, situation that they had on in qualifying on um, on Sunday, mm. wasn't there? So there's a little bit of bodywork around there, but hopefully mostly superficial. But uh, you know, it's, it's it's a big stress moment for for teams, isn't it? I mean, um, we we actually trialled that uh, new Park Fermi rules on the weekend, which uh, allowed them not to do any work between uh, qualifying and the race, which I really enjoyed. But um, mm. it's a whole different story trying to prep a car when it uh, when you've got only a, a handful of days, including the, the shipping side of things, to get the fill of yeah. and get ready. Yeah, it's um, yeah, a lot to get through technically, isn't it, for, uh, for the teams. Frosty, your first poll. First in a thousand days, not that we're counting. <laughs> <laughs> and first for the team. You were... You were pretty emotional. I reckon I saw a tear in your eye when we chatted to you for a news interview uh, just in the moments after qualifying finished. Or was that just because you were talking to me? <laughs> I often cry when I talk to you. But, um, <laughs> no, look, it, it's, uh, you know, I don't keep numbers definitely of how many days it's been since you got your last pole position. But, um, but you know, it's a big move, you know. Over Christmas, it was 
um, it was a big move and, and you put a lot of faith into Charlie. He put a lot of faith into me and, um, you know, I had the opportunity to stay at Tickford and um, chose not to. Um, yeah, but chose Charlie's because I thought there was opportunity. And, and when you say that thousand-day stat, it, it took me three years, you know, at hard work at Tickford has taken me three rounds at Charlie's to get a pole. So I feel that was a compliment to Charlie in some way, that stat. Um, but at the same time, just it's just a lot of hard work that goes in and you're trying to, you know, you can see that you've made the right call and you're happy and you're enjoying racing. But until you get results, people always go, you know, oh, you know, the Tickford car finished second at the Grand Prix or finished here or finished there. And, you you know, you can see where you've been and what opportunity you had and what opportunity you took. And I knew it was the right call. I didn't know how long it would take to get going. But, um, but yeah, to get pole and just, I don't know, just a relief, I guess, just to know that this is cool, this is home, this is where I'm going to be for a long time and give the guys what they deserve. And, um, you know, when I come in the garage, they were all, cheering and and you know that's their first pole position as well so just those sort of things that's oh, that's why it's brought your racing youth back out they're they're motivators and they're things that probably took for granted at tickford when you've had success you come to a new team and you saw those emotions go through your head so um yeah just a really cool moment and i just want to keep getting them with the team you know when you get those moments there that is what racing's about just coming in the garage and such a cool vibe um, and you get emotional because you're that one guy at that team now who can give them success um, and, and you take that responsibility. So, I don't know, it's just an emotional moment and really cool to share it with the new team. Frosty, yeah. um, I'm really sort of keen to sort of, you know, understand a little bit more. I mean, it, it was a great job and, and you know, incredibly well-deserved of a lesson. I know how hard you've been, you know, working where everyone works and I know how hard you put, how much effort you put in. But um, just, just going back a little bit because the start wasn't so good, a few issues at Adelaide with the car and, you know, those things happen bits some pieces. But but just, you know, what, what was it like going there, you know, with this new race team, the big change and, you know, honestly, the – the the Mustangs obviously came out the gate pretty fast and competitive, a lot of them. I mean, was there a, a moment where you just sort of went, oh, my God, what have I done kind of thing, just because <laughs> of how quickly they came out the gate and, and because obviously people start talking and, and all those kinds of things and they start having their opinions and things. Was there was there a bit of a sort of a, um, you know, sort of deep breath moment there for, for a little bit when you saw what was going on and, that, and how quick they were out the gate? Yeah, um, I really no, because um, even if I was winning at Tickford, there was things that uh, I needed to change just anyway, because um, you know to have a, a team with four cars and kind of everyone going against each other was a yeah. bit of a toxic environment, and I was a bit yeah. over that, 13 years of it. Um, just when it's run properly and controlled, it's okay. There's a few things that were just starting to aggravate me a bit, so... To go to a team where you hop out of the car, um, you know, new team manager, um, Charlie, Phil, Stu, all these guys looking at you, listening to every word you say and just got your back. It's really cool to have people who have got your back again. So, um, yeah, the Mustangs come out and went quick. I expected them to. When you look at them, they're a bloody quick-looking car. You know they're going to be quick. But some of the, you know, results weren't going to change some of the negatives I had about going racing. So, um, yeah, we had a few dramas and stuff, but when you've got people like Phil and Hendo around you, mm. they're, they're such strong, powerful people. And I don't know. You've got to give it time, don't you? You've got to give it a little yeah. bit of time. You've got to give it time, yeah. And, and I knew it was going to turn. And 
we can't get carried away with one result because we go to Phillip no. Island now and completely different track and situation. But individually, our team has got some powerful people who I actually tried to get to Tickford and that would have helped my decision to, you know, in, in a lot of ways. They wouldn't come to Tickford. They chose Charlie's as their destination. And when they choose it and you choose it, there's reasons why we're all going there. And, um, yeah, I knew it would come. I knew it would get results, whether it was three rounds or three years. I didn't know when it was going to come. But um, but now the next step's that trophy. You know, one pole position is great, but now the mindset of the team's changing too, which is really cool because we finished fourth on Saturday and my number two was disappointed. And I'm like, man, like three rounds ago, we finished sixth and you, you couldn't squeeze me hard enough. We had a big <laughs> moment in the back. So it's a cool expectation shift and that's, what I've got to bring to the team that we're down this end of pit lane. Don't let people, we're not a small team, like just we're powerful. You think that way, we'll, we'll act that way. And that's kind of the philosophy we're driving in. And yeah, you know, I, I knew I made the right choice, but um, you've got to get results to back it up because without results, being happy, that doesn't mean that much. You know, you've got to get results. So um, I knew I made the right choice, but anyway, we should get better and time will tell. Mate, SVG admitted he took advice from you and Phil uh, that helped him take that victory in the second race. What was that advice and how is that relationship playing out, the fact that Red Bull are crediting you now for helping them win? Yeah, it's, that's really cool. And that's um, probably a compliment to Phil more than me. I, I didn't contribute much. But the way, you know, there's things in the car that, like they've lost the trap spring, so they're trying to find that feel that they've had for the last few years. I don't know that car with a trap spring, so I'm not trying to get that car back. I know what I'm chasing. I know what, you know, the Tickford car had strengths, there's no doubt, and I know what they were. So I'm trying to just piece it all together. And I think one thing that worked for me in the past at Tassie, which is a very minor setup change, um, which I pushed Phil to put in the car, but he agreed, they don't run at Triple Eight. They do now, which <laughs> got him a good result. But um, but the info's going two ways. And Shippy was down in our our truck after we got pole. You know, looking at the car and fantastic. We go back up there and looking at their cars and stuff too. So um, it's really cool that it goes both ways. It's great we could help them a little bit. They're a powerful team, and when they get better, they'll help us. If we can find things, we'll help them. And that's. That's really cool. That's kind of the thing I was not sure about at the start, how well this would work. Um, but ultimately, it is working really well. And, yeah, it's great we helped out. But, um, yeah, it's going to continue that way. They should get a lot stronger and we'll, we'll piggyback off them too. So it was a – sorry, Phil, Phil Keat is, a, is a, a bit of an enigma, isn't he? He's a, he's a, a very – he's a brilliant engineer. I mean, you've um, – sort of probably, well, not work directly with him. Is that right? Have you, worked, you haven't worked directly with him before, have you? Yeah, in 07, I think it was, we worked together. So, oh, you uh, did? Long, okay. Long time ago, long time ago. Yeah, I ago. forgot about that. Yeah, he's, but I mean, um, he's a he's a very, very clever individual, isn't he? He's a, uh, I remember, you know, trying to actually work with him way back in the super cheap for auto days um, and uh, actually ended up then having Steve Henderson, who's your team manager, manager come and uh, be my engineer, and again, you know, you're talking about a powerhouse that you've got there where you've got Phil Keat, who's, who's definitely um, seen as one of the, the brightest stars in, in, the, in the pit lane, and, and then Steve Henderson, um, who's also a very accomplished engineer. Um, you've, you, I mean, the, the operation, as you said, I mean, you, you put emphasis on it, but um, I'd like to emphasise how, how good 
gooder operation you've got there as well with the experience. It's just, yeah, I mean, it was, I can see why it was a no-brainer to do, to go and do what you've done and go to Charlie's with that kind of powerhouse that you've got there. It must, it just must be a great feeling. Yeah, it is. And um, Hendo is, is an engineer, obviously background, but he's ran an autobahn store for the last 10 years. So he knows how to manage staff. He knows how to go racing. And his personality and mine, it's like we're twin brothers. We've got the same identical personalities and humour and everything, but he is such a good leader. I've never yeah. probably witnessed that, the way he he's strict, but he's versatile and he, and he knows racing. So he's <clears throat> in terms of leading, he is exceptional. And he actually keeps Phil operating at his best because Phil is – the propellers in the category. He is yep. just a hundred <laughs> mile an hour, but – Love him to bits and so lucky to have him. But Hendo probably brings the best out of him too because having a team manager that's got that little bit of engineering background, you can ask those questions like, well, okay, I can see what you're saying, but why don't you try a little bit of this and just finesse probably or, mm. or make it happen? It, it's a really good combination. So, um, you know, throw that in with Stu, who's my engineer, who runs the car. Um, it kind of frees up the brain's trust of what's going on. So, um yeah, it's all working really well, but um, you know, we've got to make that next step where you you get one pole position. It's great, but then back it up and keep backing it up and keep hanging in that top ten, top five um, positions. And as the year goes on, you know, we inject Richo in the mix when he comes along as well. Another bloke with massive amounts of experience. Um, it's it's just really cool. Everyone we've got has got input, and it's enjoyable. And yeah, like you said, the decision, although when I signed. Phil was a, I think I'm coming, but I'll wait and see what you do first. <laughs> and then Hendo after was, yeah, I think I'm pretty keen to get back into motorsport. I was the first to sign, I guess, the pioneer a bit and hope that these guys come on. And, um, yeah, like I said, we all had that same vision and it all leads from Charlie. And um, he looks after his staff incredibly well. Um, he lets them do their job. He steps back. He gives you the tools. He steps back. But then he does like you to deliver, and that's um, I don't know. I think that's a pretty good boss. That the way they go about it. So we've got a really good group, and we're having fun and getting results. But yeah, I was the first to sign, and a couple of sweaty nights waiting for the others to mm. come. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they come on board, and we're um, yeah, having fun with it all. Mate, I think the name you were looking for on the weekend was Jack Smith. When you were talking about the the wild card, did you forget his name, <laughs> or was that a little jab at him? No, no, I wasn't. When you're up out of the car, there's so much going through your head. And um, yeah, I was, I was disappointed with what happened. And um, and then especially when you read a press release, that's you know, he, he, I think he thought that we just break 30 meters deeper than him, like we're some miraculous drivers. But <laughs> I think he uh, did. Without putting him down, it's just it's what happens when you're young. But you just hope these guys, when they do do stuff like that, just go, oh, you know, I accept it and kind of. Yeah learn from it but when they send a release out like that it kind of winds up a little bit but um anyway here's what it is we had a two second slow pit stop which cost us we had yeah what was the go there mate is that is techno a a concern because the understanding is they're only providing a couple of crew they're still trying to sort out their staffing there is that an issue ongoing do you think for you you're worried about that well we had a setback because um their number one mechanic pulled out so hendo the team manager was actually on the spike for the first right. time at a weekend, which again shows the strength of Hendo. Team managers wouldn't go, hey, I'll do it. He's a guy that goes, well, we've got no gap. We've got no one. Well, okay, 
how's this spike work? Put it in. Put, you know, he, he takes it by the horns and gets on with it. But the the crew that we've got um, from Techno, the, the, the tyre guys, are actually really good. So we've been lucky to have them at the Grand Prix at Tassie and they'll go to Phillip Island. But okay. what happens after that, they could change and then we've got to readdress staff again. So, um, you know, some of those things, it's, it's hard. We can't control. Um, the two guys that they're using at the moment really are on board. They put in, um, you know, really nice guys, really good at their job. So hopefully we can keep them coming for a bit, but there are things that are out of your control and we provide the, the rattle guns, we provide the spike, we provide everything. So equipment-wise, is in good shape. Um, you just don't know what you're going to get, I guess, in the future, but hopefully these guys keep coming and, um, you know, they're, they're doing a really good job. So we're lucky... That those two guys, you know, they were nervous for me. They they kind of come across and said, "Hey, man, you put on P one, I've got to do a good stop." Like, <laughs> so they, they're they're on board. So anyway, we'll see see what comes in the future. But um, at the moment, it's going okay. Murph, how hard's that for Jack LeBrock? As we understand at the moment, he's been guaranteed for Tassie and for Phillip Island. But John O'Webb telling us that uh, after that, he's got some decisions to make. It's uh, that's tough, isn't it? Heading down to Phillip Island for Jack this weekend. Oh, incredibly tough. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a pretty tumultuous sort of uh, injection for him into the main game. And, and uh, there was obviously a fair bit of talk at the end of last year that um, he was actually looking some looking to go somewhere else. And I hear, um, and maybe Frosty knows more about that or not, I'm not sure, but mm. that he was actually touted to end up at, uh, at Tickford as well. So, you know, and if I was him and if that was the case, um, it sounds like he got held back and, and uh, Jono didn't have another option, so he was uh, forced to stay on at Tickford. I mean, that's what the talk is going. Oh, mm. Sorry, stay on at, um, at Techno. At Techno. Mm. And, uh, and he missed out on an opportunity maybe to go go to uh, uh, Tickford there and maybe replace Frosty potentially. And, um, you know, and end up in a car that's proven to be all, you know, out the gate quite competitive. But, you know, if that is the case, you know, it's, he's in a, in a, a pretty – Average situation, I feel for him. Um, it is a challenge. Um, you know, techno is, is sort of a, a bit of an enigma, really. We don't, you know, sort of doesn't seem to um, have, you know, too much you know, enough emphasis put on the operation, and, and it just seems to float along from race to race at the moment. So, um, I, I hope uh, something gets sorted out there. You know, Jack, he needs to have that opportunity to, to show his skills. And last year, you know, under Adrian Burgess running that team, um, you know, there was there was some really good highlights for them. So. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's a bit of a watch the space. Jono seems always to be a bit cryptic about these things, and um, you know, it's uh, it, it's a difficult difficult thing for a young guy who's trying to make his way in a in this kind of championship. So, yeah, it remains to be seen. Uh, race to race kind of deal is not a, not a good one, though. No, truck assist now naming rights for the grid and Winton as well. So there's a, there's a bit going on there that uh, we're still piecing together that that puzzle. Uh, Frosty, thanks for bearing with us, Murph. I just want to ask you just quickly as well. You were in Macca's car, Macaulay Jones's car mm. on the weekend. How that come about and how did you find it? Oh, another, another last minute uh, arrangement. Um, Macaulay hasn't got a co-driver uh, signed up yet for for the Enduros later in the year, and um, you know the the co-driver session. Um, which was full of uh, fairly big names, I've got to say. A, a Craig Lowndes and a Garth Hanner and, you know, Steve Arrest is all these other blokes out there. And uh, it, was, it was just more of a TV scenario to be able to jump in the car and do a bit of chat during during the session. And, you know, we've done those a few times. The last time was mm. uh, Winton last year. And, uh, yeah, an opportunity to jump in. I mean, I love Simmons Plains. I think, uh, I don't know 
why we like it so much. It's, a, it's such a little bull ring, you know, seven corners, but it's it's one of these these tracks that you you know you know go and do a session in it and you jump out and I don't think you have a, have had a chance to breathe, but it's really entertaining. And um, so no, it was it was good to be able to get back in and do a session in the dry and and just um, you know get a little bit of I suppose TV time for for that operation that team, but it, it's not really any anything else uh, involved in it. There's no. Uh, no announcements that are going to be coming. Yeah, under, any under any under circumstance, under any circumstance, would you ever yeah. be a co-driver? Uh, no, I'm done. I'm seriously done. Um, it's, uh, I, find it, I found it really difficult, to be honest, to okay. step into that role a few years ago. And, um, and then, um, you know, you got stuck with me in the TV world. So, and I'm going <laughs> to stay here as, as long as I uh, have the opportunity to be here. But it was cool, though. I mean, you get back in and there's certain parts of um, – your muscle memory that just falls straight back into driving a supercar. But um, the the key thing for me was uh, at, at Simmons Plains, those two big stops down under the hairpin, so many people have ventured off into the gravel trap so many times. And the, the thing that was on my mind every time I went down there, especially when Mark Scaife and Neil Compton were talking to me at the same time, <laughs> um, heading down there was if I end up in that gravel trap, then my life – um, will forever be uh, <laughs> the guy who ended up in the gravel chat. And I'll never get, I'll never ever forget it, thanks to Mark Scaife and Neil Crompton for the rest of my life during every single session that I'm involved in. So, you know, that was uh, my, I was a bit, bit uh, weak on the brakes, let's say. <laughs> a little Mate, smart move, smart yeah. move. <clears throat> we touched on it before, Frosty Park for May, the rule in Tassie. What was your take on it as a driver? Did you guys make any changes to, take it from a qualifying to a race setup? Did you aim for a qualifying setup? Is that why you went so well? How did it play out for you? No, we're still trying to find out what's what, I guess. Like, we don't really know what works and what doesn't yet. We're still we're still exploring. So, um, unfortunately, in both qualifying sessions, we made a change from the first set to the second set of tyres in Q3 and went backwards and got stuck with it in the race. So, normally we would have reversed that change and got into the race as we did uh, on the first set of tyres in Q3. So it did affect us a little bit, but I'd love to see it to the point where you actually could run, you know, fuel loads and um, start with the tyres you finish on, all that sort of stuff, like really park for May. Um, but, yeah, it was a little bit half a park for May, half a, half a not, you know, like it was a bit yeah. of a strange feeling. And also... You know, one official, if you're going good, you got the supercars official. If you weren't, you got the guy that was just a volunteer. And they're not looking as closely as others. I don't think, I don't know, it wasn't the full Park Ferme feel that I think I watch Formula One and go, hey, that's Park Ferme. So yeah. just, it was good and it did affect probably things a little bit. But um, but I'd like to see if they do do Park Ferme, just put the car in a, or leave them at the front, don't touch them, and then we just jump in with five before the pit exit opens and off we go. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see probably more, uh, yeah, more strict park. Yeah, okay. But, yeah. Um, but it worked okay, but did it affect the results? Probably not. The guy who won was probably going to win anyway. The guy who didn't, um, we didn't have some magical quality set up and race set up. It's just mm. we don't know. So um, it probably would have worked for us down the track. But at the moment, it was a bit of a headache because we, we're still finding our feet. So, uh, but yep. it's more about what fans think, you know, what what they think. If they think it works, then we run it. If they want more of it, we do it. Like I don't think teams and drivers should have too many opinions on it. I think it's about TV and how good it spices up the racing. I don't think yep. it changed that enough. 
But can you picture um, one guy running a, th- a full heavy load of fuel, one guy running a light load of fuel trying to get in, start the race, he's got to pit on lap five because he's out of fuel. This guy can go yeah. longer. Like, that would be cool. But, um, you know, that's a bit artificial racing. But that would probably yeah. be the next step of what we have to look at. So, Frosty yeah. hinted at it, Murph. Did you see anyone a little bit sneaky? You don't have to name no. names, but please do, that was trying <laughs> yeah. to uh, make changes that uh, weren't noticed at all? I, I don't. I honestly don't think that um, we've got people in the pit lane really that are, are going to take those kinds of risks okay. um, uh, at the top end. I mean, it's just. It, I don't think you want to be labelled if you got caught, be labelled as a cheat, or go through that situation. I just. I. I mean, we. Everyone wants to keep an eye on everybody, and we do need to do that. We've got to have officials doing that, but really, I mean, I've got a. Uh, I just don't think we've got people in the pit lane. Um, that are um, that way, you know, inclined to do that kind of thing. And, and you know, the things that you might be able to sneak through are not going to be, I don't believe, enough significance to, to change your car from being, you know, um, no good to being perfect, you know, between those two, you know, those sessions. Uh, so I, I, I think I think we're in a good space. I think uh, the way supercars do the rules and regs and look after it all is, is, is very, very good. And, and, you know, we tend not to have um, any issues where, where you're, uh, you know, contemplating someone maybe doing something, you know, illegally. So it's it's uh, we're in a pretty good space. I agree with Frosty there. I think I'd like to see the go a little bit further with the fuel situation and and um, you know choose your fuel load and all those kinds of things as well and and tire set and all that kind of thing. I think uh, I you know and I you know we we have artificial racing and other formulas where there's weight added and all sorts of things to cars to try and get a balanced performance. But um, I think by having a choice, being able to uh, you know, move your fuel around and do that kind of thing and choose how you qualify and really keep it stringent um, yeah. apart from a regulation afterwards. I think that's a great idea. So then you've got some guys that choose to go for a bit of glory in the qualifying side of things, know that they're potentially, you know, um, compromised in a race format, but you just never know because you don't know what's going to happen in a race. So, you know, I, I really like that idea. And Frosty, I don't know, I mean, seriously, we, we talk a lot about uh, qualifying setups, race setups, and you sort of um, went across it slightly there that you're still working through trying to find what works in both scenarios the best. But really, you know, there's probably some teams, and I reckon Triple Eight probably did have something that they put in the cars for qualifying. We always saw them put in a, a different rear damper uh, with the twin spring setup um, to do a qualifying simulation versus um, a, a race run, which has probably changed now that we don't have the trap spring or the twin spring. But how often really did you were you on top of it that you had a, a setup in the in your in your history that that was a dead set qualifying you knew it was going to be the the go and then swatch, uh, switch it out to something that was definitive for the race how many times did you actually have that oh it's probably years ago when we had it to be honest like the cars now <clears throat> I don't know if it's the tire that's changed or geometry of the front ends or whatever we're doing but um, years ago you used to just have to crank a big rear spring in the car and make it turn because they would always understeer but now I think the construction of the tyre is a big part I don't think you have to change it that much and that's the that's the thing I think um, you know you, you're talking very very minor changes but yeah. with roll bars and all that sort of stuff you can actually get it back or with a little damper click or something you can kind of get the setup back so yeah gone are the days in in, you know i guess in my philosophy of of racing is um is you know because we used to do back in the day i think you know five six years ago you would put a uh like 30 newton stiffer re-spring in which is massive now um 
you sometimes go around with the race car and go, oh, this is pretty good. I think we can just put tyres on and have a go. And the balance doesn't shift that much. So, um, yeah, it kind of suits those park for May rules because you're not doing those massive changes. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, definitely has changed. And I, I think the tyre plays a big part in that, um, probably more so than anything. Guys, parity. Centre of gravity it was a huge talking point going in. We had a Mustang win, a Commodore win. Scott's extended his lead. Did it play a role after all? And what, what has the debrief shown you, Frosty, in terms of centre of gravity? Um, I stay out of all that, to be honest. I've, I've been on the forward side. I've been on the Holden side now. It's kind of um, – until I was the first Holden, I, I really wasn't get, going to get into anything because I ultimately had to beat the same cars that were racing against us and, um, you know, I haven't really bought into it. But there's no doubt it'll change. You know, 28 kilos on the roof is, mm. is a lot and it's probably more noticeable at the Grand Prix and uh, and Phillip Island. I think you'll see a bit more. But from the test day, you know, I think at Phillip Island, McLaughlin had margin. He had eight-tenths a lap, although he didn't do the lap time. Yeah. If you look at his sectors, he had four-tenths in the first sector. So, um is it going to stop him from winning Phillip Island? Probably not. Um, you know, he's, he's quick down there. Um, and, and, you know, the test they showed how quick he was. So, yeah, it makes a difference. Um, but ultimately, you know, if we were if we were lined up top, I'd hope they put weight there too. You know, you want to make sure that all the cars are equal and no one should take offence to it. Um, mm. I think one of the problems is the fans think that they got 28 kilos added to their total weight. That's yes, not the yes. They yep. got 28 kilos shifted from the bottom of the car to the top. And if they're 28 kilos lighter, they should put weight back up the top. It's it's a parody sport. So do the testing, um, find the results, and, and make the repairs. And that's kind of all you ask from the sport. And they're not heavy. They're not, you know, they've just moved their weight to be equal. And I think it's good. You know, they should test them. And if the Commodore comes out and dominates, well, go and test them too. You know, it's kind of... It, it's, it's what the sport's about. If we're equal, everyone's got a chance. You know you're equal. Um, get on with it. That's kind of the good thing about the sport. Mm. Murph, what did you take away from the weekend from everyone you spoke to in the, in the lane about centre of gravity? Is that Do we tick that box and move on and now talk about Aero at Phillip Island? Oh, I, think, I, I think so. <clears throat> I just uh, agree with Frosty while he's saying, you know, um, I, I just applaud uh, Supercars, Adrian Burgess and his team for getting onto it so quickly. And um, checking and doing the doing the math and and making you know making the changes and you know they don't go and move 28 kilos to the roof unless you know there's some numbers that are out of skew. So got on them for that. You know, obviously the Ford guys are going to say, oh, you know, this is this is BS or whatever, and, and not accept it as much. And and that's fair enough too. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, with the the fans, and everything too. Listen, I I think I think yeah, supercars and everyone involved it should be you know should be really uh, happy and pleased and, and pro what's going on here. And we should own this situation and, and talk about the fact that we've, we've got this parity formula that is, you know, that we are focused on making sure that is as close as it can possibly be. And I think that's a great thing um, that uh, we do to, you know, try and even things out. And, and the speed at which this change was done was, was, you know, really, you know, really fantastic and good on them for doing it. So, you know, um, as Rossi said, if we need to do more, we need to do more. And, and it's, we need to make sure that everyone that's in the game is, on, is the closest, um, you know, level level uh, playing field as we possibly can have. So um, 
I, I hope that uh, that side of things is uh, is done and dusted with, and as you say, the Euro thing will will be the next one. Um, you know, we we're you know we do a very very good job with the resources we've got. I think supercars to to get this as close as it can be. Um, there's always room for improvement. There's always things you can work on, no doubt about it. Um, but you know what we want is a, a formula where you know we've got all the all the marks, um, winning races and being as competitive as close as we possibly can. And I think uh, on the weekend, you know, we I don't really think anyone can really complain too much about that um, but Phillip Island will be a, a very different scenario as Frosty said you know it's uh, you can't get too much chalk and cheese difference between two racetracks yeah the one rule we do know that we have changed for Phillip Island pit lane will be closed during safety car periods Frosty as a driver how does that change your approach to the weekend have you guys already been talking about uh, what your strategy will be and how you'll deal with this situation yeah it's uh I, I don't know if this is a good rule change. We'll, we'll find out. But kind of from a spectator's point of view, when I know it's, it's done for safety and all these sort of reasons, but part of the good part of Phillip Island was the safety car scramble. That was, you know, cars, narrow pit lane, trying to squeeze through, got boxed in, didn't get boxed in. Um, you know, I thought that was one of the cool parts about the, the, the race was that safety car. Um, you know, look at Adelaide, although it turned into a shamble, the one replay they played after Adelaide was Mostert getting spun in pit lane. It, it, it does create entertainment, but um, <laughs> what what it's going to do at the same time now is, is, is manipulate strategies, and we don't want that. You don't want every car firing in on lap five when the window opens just so they don't get boxed out yeah. by a safety car. You don't want that. We want to have strategies that uh, you know, play out. You've got one guy who stops short. You've got one guy who goes long. Does the tyre life outweigh the, the undercut? You want that. And Vic is going to manipulate when people pit. Um, sure, it's for safety, but at the same time, if you want to go safety, um, there's so many areas we could look at before closing pit lane. So anyway, we'll see what it does. Um, but manipulating strategies, I don't think, is the best move. Um, but time will tell you, you always trial it and you give your feedback after, but, you know, forecasting it, I, mm. I, I can't see it being a great success, but time will tell. No. I, don't think, um, I don't think it's going to be an issue, mate, because um, the amount of safety cars we don't have these days um, <laughs> is probably is, uh, something that's quite incredible. I mean, no safety cars on the weekend again. And, and um, you know, we did have, obviously, that issue at uh, Adelaide. But, yeah, it, it's it's not ideal. But, you know, it's a trial and they'll, they'll give it a run and, and see if anything transpires. But, um, you know, it is a narrow pit lane at, at Phillip Island as well. And, um, you know they need to need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to to minimise um, you know minimise uh, risk and those kinds of things. So we'll see. I, we've tried it in the past as well. Obviously um, years ago, I can't remember the last time it was that we had it. But uh, yeah, how'd you catch, find it? It is a catch twenty two. Oh, I think this just what Frosty just said. You know the yeah. the catch is about it is you know you 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 tend to run a strategy to try and avoid getting caught up in it. And uh, and then the other thing is you know when when um, uh, a safety car does come and everyone gets caught and everyone's stuck behind it, then it tends to bring a whole lot of cars in um, immediately after the safety car pulls in anyway. So it's it's just it's one of those situations. It works in other other categories around the world. Um, we've got very used to doing it one way and you know, but there's there's plenty of reasons for, for having a look at it and doing it and you know, that's again we need to need to trial and error and, and uh, that's that's what's making things interesting in supercars. Frosty, do you watch Game of Thrones? 
<laughs> no, I don't. Too busy I watching don't. Nickelodeon? Disney Channel, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, mean, I thought so. Murph, you a Game of Thrones man? Yes. Yes, you realise this weekend yes. is oh, the Game of Thrones round on Foxtel? Because next how week we've got the final season. Lounsey will be dressed as Jon Snow. I know that Scotty McLaughlin's <laughs> uh, getting involved and wants to have a picture taken on the throne. Frosty, have you put your hand up then for that one or you avoided that one? I've got no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, it's a blatant plug and I've given it and Murph's on board and Frosty, we just leave you Thank out of the chat. No, Who would you be then, Murph? Which character would you be if you could be one? Oh, oh, I'm terrible with the names, to be honest. I can't remember. John Snow? That's easy no, to say. No, no, not terribly. <laughs> um, it was, uh, I, think he might, I, th- I think all the characters I would have been have already been killed in some <laughs> brutal, horrible, horrible, tragic yeah. way in some way. Yeah, exactly. Form. But uh, no, no, it's a, no I, I really enjoyed it, actually. It's uh, something certainly I'll be, I'll be watching um, when it uh, gets uh, back on here next week. So can't wait for it. Fantastic. So the championship standards at the moment, it is Scotty McLaughlin leading his teammate Fabian Coulthard by 124. Win Cup's down 160. It's tied in this part. Giz down 168. Reynolds down 171. Mostert down 177. And then Mark Winterbottom down 214. Still in the championship hunt, mate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's not far to second. You know, that, that second to 10th, I think, brackets. Um, <laughs> One weekend you, you can you can climb, but I think Saturday night actually Mostert was second, and now he's yeah. second or, or sixth, yeah. whatever you just said. So yep. there's there's a fair bit of shuffling, but McLaughlin's got margin. He, um, you know, without that mishap at the Grand Prix, he's won seven out of eight. So clearly yeah. he's in form. But um, you know, if if you stay within 300 points and you get to Bathurst or Sandown or um, those races, you can. We've seen them get lost pretty quick. So um, yeah. Yeah, for winning seven out of eight races, uh, it, he hasn't got as big a lead as he should. So, um, yeah, still pretty tight. We wanted to be in the top ten. We're seventh. We've shuffled from sixth to tenth back to seventh. So we're in that little mix, and, yeah, we're having fun. We'll um, keep trying to climb that ladder and see how far up we, you know, how far we can get and try to stop going backwards, just try and keep going forward. Frosty, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. And hopefully uh, the kids didn't throw too many things in the <laughs> shopping trolley there at the supermarket while you were chatting with us. I just invoice you guys, no stress. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Frosty, thank you very much. Murph, we will see you in the lane. Thank you again for coming on for the second time this year. We really appreciate your time, buddy. Good on you guys. See you on the weekend. Fantastic. We sure will. Don't forget to subscribe to The Loud Pedal so you don't miss an episode. Thank you very much to the great people at Super Cheap Auto. This episode has been brought to you by Super Cheap Auto. If you find a better price online or in another store, you want to let them know because they will beat it at Super Cheap Auto. Super Cheap Auto, we're cheaper or we'll beat it. Visit your local store or shop online at supercheapauto.com.au. We'll catch you after Phillip Island. 